Hello, I'm David Clark, CFA, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals, focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I'm very lucky to be talking to Keith Skiok, whose name is so well known in Scottish business circles that he almost ranks up there with the August Financial Institutions of Edinburgh, one of which he ran for many years. As the head of Standard Life Investments and later Standard Life, he oversaw the merger with Aberdeen Asset Management, which created one of the largest fund management institutions in the world. And after stepping down from the CEO role, he's not cut all links, staying on as chair of the Aberdeen Standard Investments Research Institute. He's also chair of the board of the Investment Association. He's the interim chairman of the Financial Reporting Council, and he's the chair of the Ring Fencing and Proprietary Trading Review. So he sounds almost as though he's busier now than he was when he was actually just running one of the largest companies in the country. Are you busy, Keith? Um, yeah, I'm reasonably uh, reasonably hectic, uh, Dave. Thank you for that kind uh, introduction. Um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to do at the moment. I think. Well, not 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 so busy, and I think we should just explain very quickly for anybody who's outside Edinburgh just what a village Edinburgh is, because I tend to meet Keith walking his dogs when I go for a run in the morning around Edinburgh. It's that kind of city. Um, so it's a good place in some ways for fund management to take place because we're all we can all get together and, and discuss the issues. So mm. here we are actually, you know, I, with Keith, it's, it's, it's very interesting to talk to you because obviously with those positions, you really are the centre of the, of the industry, of the profession. So I suppose, you know, I'm going to start right at the top. What would you say is the biggest existential issue for the investment management industry at the moment? I think uh, by far and away, it's that we take advantage of this huge opportunity that the industry now has. You know, as a result of the pandemic, uh, savings have gone up. And what's our central role? It's to turn savings into investment and make sure we do so in a manner that we actually help build back better. So the opportunity is huge. The spot, the challenges, the spotlights on the industry, and within that, I think there are two big challenges the industry has to face up to. One is make sure that we can demonstrate that we can deliver the impact that we say we 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 can do through governance, ESG, and, and climate change. And the second and biggest exit, you know, by far and away the biggest challenge is for an industry of a professional of professionals and experts, we got to get close to the customer. Actually, this industry is maturing. We've got to make sure that that not, you know, that 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 the man in the street and the lady in the street, you know, recognizes that actually the industry can be a uh, a force for good. Get that right, and there's a massive opportunity. Get that wrong, and and actually, I think the industry is is going to be faced with a load of myriad of challenges. So, um, you know, I mean, I think my main message is look outwards, not look, not not inwards. Well I, well, I think that's a very interesting point because that's something that we really have looked at. I think in the society, in the profession. And we're acutely aware of, particularly, you know, you mentioned there about ESG and sustainability, which has prompted this. 
but we have for too long. In some ways, it's almost as if we've avoided talking directly to the customers. A lot of you know people across the UK, across the world, have investments through their pensions with us, and yet we don't. You know, we don't. We're not fulfilling. You know, we're not you know, making the most of that relationship, are we? No, I think that's right, and 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 I think you know there's you know what is most important here is that people have confidence that their savings will be turned into investments, which will deliver them a return. And and you know performance, we've always said is 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 the number one job, but that investment can be delivered in a way that has a positive uh, a positive a positive impact. And I think what we have to do is communicate with the end savers, make the information available, be clear and transparent and simple about the and, and not oversell about the positive impacts that we're having. And that, that that's obviously got to be alongside all of the technical stuff we need to do to deliver you know, good reporting, hold companies to account on TCFD and sustainability uh, issues. You know, this is a year when this is going to come front and centre because of COP26, not just in the UK, but up, up, in, up, in, up in Scotland. Take advantage of that opportunity, but make sure that we can connect with the average, uh, the average saver. It, it, it's very, very important. So I know something that CFA thinks about a lot is, you know, it would be quite good if we could um, communicate the positive impact in a simple and transparent way that um, is 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 free of the jargon that we as as experts love. Can I ask? Do you think there's been a step change then in the in our clients in how they see this issue of of impact is is it far more important to them now alongside returns I and mean, of course you can't separate the two and you shouldn't separate the two separate the two but do you think there's a more of a focus now from clients on that yeah i think there's a there's a there's a focus from clients and institutional clients and certainly you know as somebody who has been banging on about esg for 20 or 30 years, you know, one of the things we did see, and I, I, I'm at a loss to understand why, uh, in 19 and 20, this started to become a, a, a really live wire issue that people got a, got a hold of. So I think part of that is through the institutions themselves. Part of that is for government and regulators, you know, pushing to make sure we're in a better place. But also some of it is from, you know, the average person in the street. And I, and I would say, you know, somebody who's, you know, right at the very end of their, their investment career, um, a lot of this is coming from the next generation, you know, and, and, and that's pushing hard. And that's something we need to recognize and, 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 and connect with as, uh, as an industry. Um, there is a different appetite here. Take, we need to, 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 to um, you know, take the opportunity. Okay. I mean, you mentioned there obviously about the, the, the effects of COVID on savings. Um, I, I suppose, would it be correct to say that the industry has faced changes over the past decade, pressures, et cetera, in relation to active versus passive, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think there, that the, it's maybe time for the professional in the industry 
to think that, as you say, there, there's opportunities going forward in that. And I'm just wondering, how does the industry and the profession play that out? Yeah, so I, I think that um, there are a number of things that are really important. You know, one, uh, and it's, it's, it's a common theme with me, uh, transparency and simplicity is important. Two, I think it really is time to get rid of the active versus passive debate. And, and actually, the real issue is where does the portfolio sit on that risk return spectrum? And, you know, uh, low risk and, 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 and higher risk is in, a, in, a, in, a, in a blended portfolio has a, uh, has a role to, uh, to play. The biggest challenge for the industry by far is to show that it can deliver sustainable and consistent returns across the whole of an economic or, or investment cycle um, at a decent price. Actually, the, you know, we need to recognize that if we're operating here in, you know, pick a number, a three to four percent return world, you can no longer be charging 1% because that's between you know 25% and 30% of uh, 30% of capital now for me technology is a phenomenal enabler here to get the operational leverage and get coherence and consistency uh, and that's something we should be uh, we should be utilizing the adoption adaption of of, of, of blockchain in, in, in terms of how we service customers I think is 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 a massive opportunity for us but actually the profession needs to remember that actually it's there to deliver investment performance that's how you create wealth over the uh, the long haul and i think it's all part and parcel of helping to lengthen people's investment horizon focus on investment not trading uh, i'd like to just uh, you know in some ways step back a bit with you to the role as uh, as with the merger of, of standard life and aberdeen as it was at the time and you obviously create you know, you're two very big companies creating an even larger company. I was just wondering why your insights, having moved on now, and obviously cognizant of the fact of your responsibilities there still, but you know the place of very large companies and small companies. Is there a place for all of these in the investment? Uh, you know what it's offering to people, what the profession and sector is offering, and what, what can they do? So you have small companies and large companies. Are, are they both suitable? For this going forward, I, I think I think they they are, and you are going to have a spectrum. And I think there's you know, a certain size where um, scale is important because scale, you know, uh, technically improves your operational leverage. It creates profitability. It allows you to invest in the future. And for a fund management firm, an asset manager. That's all about people and technology. And, and actually, that's how you look to deliver something at an appropriate price. So, so, so actually, you know, if you look across history at, 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 at industries that are developed and, and you know, they get concentrated and they get big, that's how you keep fees and prices uh, relatively low. So I think scale is an important part of that. And also recognizing if you're going to have scale, it's got to be a global game. 
you know, uh, ours is a global, uh, ours is a global industry, uh, and and you want uh, you want that 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 reach. So your ability to deliver at scale into that uh, into that mass market to serve the platforms, the big institutions, I think that's that's incredibly important. I think there's also room. There's room. Because you know, um, investment 101 is about portfolio diversification. There are attractive areas of specialisms where people are pretty good at, at extracting, you know, a differentiated, uh, a differentiated return, and that has a role to play in clients' portfolios, whether they're large institutions or smaller uh, or smaller institutions. So, you know, we are an industry that has been blessed with a variety of uh, investment approaches, you know, some of which are scalable, some of which are, uh, are not. And I, I actually think, you know, that's an important element of choice as well. I think it's... You know, again, you mentioned COVID. I mean, there's been so many changes in COVID. But I suppose maybe looking back inside the industry now again and mm. how it placed itself. One of the things you will have noticed, uh, you know, in Scotland, you know, in Edinburgh, is you know how all those mutuals that we had many years ago all merged, disappeared. Got obviously in in in, in Edinburgh now we have two very large companies: your old one, Bailey mm. Gifford, and a number of other uh, mm. companies as well. But do you think the COVID crisis and the attendant working at home in some ways allows Scotland to, to stop that drift down to London, the magnetic drift to London and of everybody having to be in London? I mean, one thing that this has proved is that you don't have to be in London and everything's been working pretty well. How do you think that, that will affect things up here? I, I I I really do think that it is changing people's uh, people's attitude, and I like to think here, Dave. I was a bit of an industry leader, so you know, uh, I say to people in in in, uh, in 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 Edinburgh, where I'm based, you know, I voted with my feet to come here 20 years ago, and 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 moved out of out of London. And as I moved from the sell side to the buy side, one of the things I thought was really important was to have that greater sense of perspective uh, and that longer term uh, that longer term view and i think being away from the hubbub and the noise that goes on in 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 the central marketplace uh, is quite important in terms of investing as opposed to you need to be close to it and in the mix uh, for uh, for trading, so I I I feel as if uh, that's been uh, that's been reinforced, and of course it's not just it's not just Edinburgh. You know, I I I've got friends who who lived in the southeast and and have moved up north of Inverness because you know we're blessed with technology and and the connectivity that's allowing us to talk to each other uh today so I, I I do hope that this will be part of the leveling up agenda and the asset management industry you know, has a role to play you know after all you know what's seen as one of the world's greatest investors is called the sage of Omaha 
is not operating out of uh, out of New York, Chicago, or uh, or Boston. So uh, that's that 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 becomes really important. The only thing that that that, that does worry me, and I think is quite important, is um, you know, as a CFA, you know, realizes you know, ours is a very technical game. But it also requires a degree of insight and culture. So that human connectivity, the occasional, you know, the ability to meet occasionally around a whiteboard and 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 and, and talk about ideas and, and tease things out is 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 quite important. But of course, all of that is is very definitely available in in um, in Edinburgh and Scotland, and always was. Yeah, well, well, that's why I want to follow up on that because we are in a bit of a role here. Because I want to ask, you mentioned the word culture there. And it's always intrigued me. You said you voted with your feet to come up here. Do you think there is a style of, you know, that there's an there's a culture of investing in Scotland that's kind of slightly different to what happens down in London? And if you could encapsulate that, and I was wondering in particular to the whole uh, impetus behind sustainability, do you think it's well suited for that? Yes, I do, and I and I, it's it's quite interesting. It's it's quite clever of you to pick up on that. So I I, I think there are three components to this. Um, you know, one is that um, one of the things that Scotland's all, always had is a global perspective, and it's had to have it because it's had to make its 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 kind of way in the world. So if you go back. And look through the history of asset management. You know, one of the first investment trusts was looking to take uh, UK savings and invest it uh, overseas. So that global perspective is really uh, important um, for an industry for, for for a financial services that really grew up around life insurance asset management. As 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 much as banking, there's a longer term perspective there, which is really really important. And part of that longer term perspective, I think, is um, really also about making sure that stuff is sustainable over the long term. And there's a kind of you know, um, how can I put it? it? It's more Adam Smith's theory of moral sentiments than 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 you know the characterization of the wealth of uh, the wealth of nations, and that's really important about connecting back with the end customer and um, the uh, the saver. Uh, and I and I and I, I think you know that is part of um, a long term mutual uh, mutual heritage. You know, you were you, the capital was owned. By the sabers, and 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 that's a culture that lives on lives on today. I think. Yeah. So so going forward, basically, no move down to London, staying up here, even with all these other roles. Then, uh, in the short term, you know, I'm. Uh, it's. Do, do you know what? Um, I spent my whole life, whole life on the road since mm. about 1979. I've had a year when I haven't got on an aeroplane. Um, I've pretty much been in um, uh, the same city for the whole year. And actually, I've kind of really enjoyed it. It hasn't stopped me doing things. It hasn't stopped me connecting with the rest of the world. And there's a wonderful reminder about what a wonderful place Edinburgh, Edinburgh is, particularly now we're through January, Dave. 
Absolutely, absolutely. We mark it down on the weather, but on everything else, yeah. Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh's an all-round good place. Keith, thank, thank you very much for, for, for chatting to me there. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. And just before I go, I want to point out, I think, Keith, because of your role with the Ring Fencing and Proprietary Trading Review, you're looking for, is it input from, from people in the society? You think that would be very helpful for you? Yes, there'll be an external, there'll be a consultation document going out in the next couple of weeks asking about, for feedback on the impacts of the ring fencing regime and legislation, the proprietary trading regime and legislation. And we would love to hear from members of the society about their views on its impact on financial stability. Has it insulated the taxpayer? Has it made a difference to uh, the competitive environment in the UK? And are there any unintended consequences? Because in a year's time, I need to put a report into the Treasury. And actually, if we're going to make any recommendations, really important, it's evidence-based. So I'd love input from the society. Well, there you go. I, I, I think there, there's an invitation there that everybody's got to act upon. Thank you so much for that. And just for everybody else, just remember that you can subscribe if you don't, if you don't want to miss an episode through the CFA's, CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. And to find out more, go to www.cfauk.org forward slash podcast.